G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes. Morena, everyone. Great to be back. It's 9.03 here on SENZ and Polaris, uh, our major sponsor, our naming sponsor of our show between 9 and 12. Great to have you guys on board. New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand and uh, more on Polaris as we begin uh, our association with them. So look forward to that. It's going to be a busy Tuesday today because there's a bit of a a review, a bit of a wrap about it because the cricket season's over. Uh, last night it finished basically at Seddon Park in Hamilton. Farewell to one of our greats. Uh, conclusive victory to the Black Caps. Uh, of course on, on the back also of uh, the White Ferns and the World Cup and what a wonderful spectacle that was. So let's put uh, a report card around it. We'll do that at 9.07 with Craig Cumming, of course, former Black Cap who's been with us so often throughout the summer. 9.32, uh, uh, we've got it scheduled for Storm Purvis. Former Silver Fern, of course, uh, hostess too of uh, our centre pass and focus host as well, and that's coming up later tonight. So we'll find out from Stormer about uh, what's going on in the ANZ Premiership and what she's got on the show tonight. A really special guest uh, just before uh, 10 o'clock will be Louis Herman Watt, of course. He's always special. Uh, And after 10, uh, even more special, sorry, Louis, uh, we've got Andrea Nelson, uh, the organiser for the Women's Cricket World Cup, the CEO. What a show she put on. So uh, we'll talk to Andrea now that um, she's got, hopefully, a little bit of downtime. The panel will be Jordan Oppert this morning and Mark Watson. Looking forward to those two and their forthright opinion. Shane Hill comes to us just after 11 o'clock. Uh, he, of course, is a commentator on uh, the Australian NBL. And uh, what about the Phoenix? And uh, what about the hot teams in there? And it's Tuesday, so we'll have a Mount Rushmore around about 11.43. And we'll get your thoughts on uh, your favourite rugby players from a certain region very shortly. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, roll on the Women's Rugby World Cup and roll on quick, I say, before the flame for women's sport in this country starts to lose its glow. For the cricket version has been an undoubted success. Just ask the sellout crowd at Hagley Oval last Sunday, who fronted early and with enthusiasm stayed late because the excellence of what was on display held them in the palm. And that's without our team on show too. And unless the fixer Wayne Smith can repeat his wizardry with the Black Ferns, that could well be the case later in the year. A sellout neutral final. If it has to be, it is an organiser's dream. It says you have succeeded. Healy, Haynes, Lanning and Co. You know, the girls in yellow, the ultimate girl gang, have taken the game to a new level. A level of depth and class that all should look to emulate but won't in a short space of time. They leave these shores having portrayed the game in its best possible light. Excellence with happiness and enthusiasm and professionalism. In the years to come, I'm guessing we will have to thank them because Kiwi girls, those that came when they were allowed to, will be inspired. The white ferns of tomorrow will be the beneficiary. The women's game in general will owe a debt. 
To the volunteers, hundreds of them, to the organising committee of Packed House at Hagley, on top of increasing crowds throughout, would have been a perfect tonic. There were a lot of big wigs floating around, fishheads from the ICC, sporting and governmental officials who were mightily impressed. The general feeling too was that it was no surprise in the end that the old firm went head to head in the final because they clearly are the best resourced, the best prepared when it comes to the crunch. So when the reviews are done, the budgets will increase, career paths will unfold and commitment will be easier. It will be a long time before we see this game on display on our soil to such a large degree again. But memories of the last month will remain for a long time and they are glorious memories at that. That's the game, and who should take the catch? How appropriate. The last hand in this match goes to Ross Taylor. Well, the crowd didn't get their way. He didn't get a bolt, but he was there at the bitter end. And it's a nice way for Ross Taylor to sign off. Well, as a cricketing world salutes the top-class career of Ross Taylor coming to an end, it also signals... The New Zealand long summer of cricket coming to an end in partnership with PGG Rights and Turf and Juriscape Seed Blends. Uh, we're looking back uh, on the good and the bad in this season review. Our report card, and we're joined by Craig Cumming, who's perfectly placed to talk about it because uh, he's had a hand in it. Uh, good morning to you, Craig Cumming. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, good morning, Smithy, and um, yeah, good to be talking to you again. And um, I just want to say well done again for you on your commentary. It's been great having you coming through the wireless and or through the TV again. I've really enjoyed it. It's been good fun. Well, it, it's been easy uh, because the product's been good, uh, Sid. And we'll st- I think we'll start with the, the White Ferns um, and the, the Cricket Women's World Cup because it's worth talking about. The White Ferns went into it ranked fifth, played to their ranking, didn't make the last four. Uh, they will say we were unlucky if we'd won one of those close finishes. We would have been in the top four, but if is a big word, as we know in sport. Um, what say you? on the performance of uh, the White Ferns overall in the summer? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I suppose the best way we could probably describe it is that we've just had a World Cup here. We've had the best teams in the world. Um, I think the round-robin play is fantastic, Smithy, because it actually means at the very end of of the tournament, you get the best teams. It it doesn't come down to luck of your draw. It doesn't come down to the luck of the pool that you're in, um, the teams that you play against. You end up... Um, playing, um, you know, everyone. Um, so, you know, for the White Ferns, they, they look at it and um, we ended up where we deserve to be. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, the exciting thing is it means now we, we probably don't have to sit there and guess or say that we believe we this or we believe that. We actually know that we're not inside the top four. Um, yes, we're not far off, uh, but we're certainly not, not in it at the moment. We're definitely not in the top two because we saw the two best sides play the other night and, and they are, while well, Australia are streaks ahead of everyone, um, so we're in that we're in that five and six, rightly so. We've got to be careful because the teams behind us aren't far and, and they're getting better in Bangladesh and Pakistan. But we know where we are and what's happened is when you get a World Cup like this, Smitty, you've got a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of data, I suppose, where you can say, right, that's where the top team is. This is where we are. We've seen the way the game's been played. We now know what we need to do in the future to get better. So um, it's a hard thing to understand, a hard thing to swallow, but the reality is we are where we are, but we now know we need what we need to do to get better where we are. OK, so there's two um, questions that come out of that for me. Uh, how do we change how, do we, uh, how we play, or 
who who do we have to come in and play the way we want to play? I mean, are they easily answered questions? Uh, well, no, but they need to be answered. Um, I, I think, I mean, if you look at the game, to me it's pretty simple. It's about, again, who scores, the teams that scores the most runs win. And, and you saw that in the final. Australia went out and got 340. Um, even England, even though they were bowled out, they gave themselves a chance. They were scoring at six and seven runs and over. So we've got to realise that that's the way the game's been played. Uh, we've got to now work out the method. To me, especially the women's game, Smithy, you've got to be offside dominant. You've got to be able to access the offside you look at Alyssa Healy, the way she plays, Haynes, um, all their good players in the world can play on the offside, and you can only have th- four fielders back in the women's game. So as soon as you start manipulating the offside, you've got to have fielders across, then the leg side becomes open. So we've got to develop players that can play all around the ground, but especially be offside dominant. You know, 80% of the balls, Smithy, are bowled on, off stump, or outside. So that means we've got to be able to score through there, and if we score off a high percentage of balls and we can manipulate the field then we give ourselves a chance. We've got to learn to score 300. Whichever way we do it, we've got to come up with our method. Then we've got to pick our players in the areas that, um, or based on that, who are the best players that we've got to be able to do that. Well, it appeared to me, looking on from the outside, that we were too top-heavy on, on a top four. Uh, we are, Australia go a lot deeper than that. England uh, went slightly more deeply than that. But uh, you just can't now uh, rely on a top four. Uh, I mean, my player, one of my players of the tournament was Beth Mooney, uh, who floated for Australia into several batting positions. But just, uh, I think, probably if, if anyone personified Australia's depth, was Beth Mooney. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and that's the area. I mean, um, we've got to work out, you know, in the future. We, we can't just say, right, we're going we're to start again. Because, one, we've got two good players who are currently there. But the question is, what are we doing to evolve their games? Um, what are we doing to try and give them the confidence to go out and play? Um, you know, New Zealand's still got a very strong middle, lower order. And, you know, I've spoken to you in the past. I mean, you actually get 10 wickets. Um, so we don't necessarily need someone getting 160 like Alyssa Healy. Um, it's the money ball theory. We've got to try and use all our resources. But at the end of the day, we've got to be able to find a way to come up with 300. We don't at the moment have a power hitter, Smithy, in that middle order, you know, an Ash Gardner or someone like that, I think we've got to look at developing that. But again, um, as long as we're scoring off a high percentage of balls and we're learning to manipulate the field, I, I think we can come up with our own method. It's really important to work out, right, what is our goal is to score 300, 310. What are the players we've got and what is the method that we're going to use? Now, that might be we're going to run hard between the wickets, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But uh, we've got to find our method that suits our players but we now know we've got a really good blueprint in the future of what sort of cricketers we've got to develop below that level as well. And, and that's probably the biggest area that we've got to work on in the New Zealand game. Um, but, you know, that's, that's no different. I mean, Australia have been there. England have been there. Um, I think the good thing is now we know where we are, and that's what we've got to spend time investing in. Playing, paying players, Smithy, doesn't just make you better cricketers. We've got to actually invest in our, in our programs and, and what we're doing in the future for the next five years. Paying players keeps players, though, I guess, um, keeps them interested. Are we at that stage at the moment where, you know, our, our big guns who are approaching the mid to late 30s, some of them, and by the time the next World Cup rolls around, we'll definitely be in that bracket. Uh, do we hold them or do we say, this is how it is, do you want to stay? Oh, it's a balance of both because, um, you know, the, the white ferns aren't badly remunerated. We can't compare ourselves to Australia and to England because if you did that in the men's game, Smitty, we, we come up light as well. 
Um, you know, we've got Kane Williamson, our number one cricketer, on $250,000 contract, which is, you know, it's good money. But Australia are on $2.5 million, you know, Steve Smith and those guys. So we, we can't compare ourselves. We've got to look at what we're doing here and what we need to do here. And, um, you know, if we'd compared resources to around the world, the Black Caps wouldn't even be where they are. We've got to sometimes say, right, well, what is the New Zealand way? What is our DNA and how are we going to do it? Yes, we need to find more money. Yes, we need to reimburse our players uh, better. But we can't just focus on that because, as I said, um, that doesn't just give you results. We've got to look at our programs. We've got to look at our coaching. We've got to look at um, all the resources that we have and invest in that. But we've got to come up with what our three- to five-year plan is and then our method and then invest in that and hopefully... Over time, all those things improve because they need to. Yes, we understand that, but also we're in a pretty tough time at the moment where I know every sporting organisation is struggling for money. So um, being able mm. to find more money to, to put money in, Smithy, it's not that easy. You know, we, we, we haven't had, you know, we haven't had sponsorship. We haven't had crowds. We, we haven't. It's a real, real challenging time. So we're, it's a little bit like the number eight wire theory. How can we come up with some things that is New Zealand ingenuity that allows us to get some outcomes through us just being New Zealanders and what we can do there, as well as when things get better, we can certainly increase the resourcing and the money that's there. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think hopefully uh, when things are hot, you've got to do things about it. Cricket, uh, women's cricket in this country is hot. I spoke to the Deputy Prime Minister, the uh, Minister of Sport as well. He was at the game on Sunday, and one of his quick reflections was when the game needs help in this country, uh, and uh, it's on his list. So uh, let's hope it comes to fruition, oh. Sid, and uh, who, knows, um, who knows who will be part of it, and uh, if they pick the right people, uh, that'll be the first step in, in the right direction. Right, let's get on to the, the gentleman's side of things. Uh, we said goodbye to Ross Taylor last night. That was no surprise. We knew that was coming. Uh, conclusive victory over the Netherlands. We knew that was coming, and that came to pass as well. However, I look back on the summer at home. We lost two test matches. We didn't win a test series. We lost to Bangladesh. We lost to South Africa. So for me, I, I, I'm sorry with our high standards. I can't give this, this season a pass mark. No, I'm, I'm the same. And actually, um, knowing that I was coming on your show, I did a little bit of research. I think 21, 22 seasons, you know, um, they used, uh, you know, they, they won 12, lost 11, drew one. That's overall. But you're right. Whenever we talk about Test cricket now, our expectations are anyone that comes to our shores, we win. Simple as that. Um, we've got to win the Test series. Bangladesh, um, you know, we, we certainly didn't even contemplate it. To draw that series is a fail. Um, South Africa, you know, normally you'd say a drawn series against them. And, and look at our history, you could say maybe. But the fact is we were 1-0 up. We were playing at Hagley, a place that we pretend we, you know, we pick sides that suit that ground. We lost there. So I'm with you. Throw in the fact that we were in India um, and, you know, we drew the first test, which was a good effort, but then we were, we were comprehensively beaten after that. So, yeah, after that test championship where we were, you know, top of the world, I think they'll look at the test game and go, without a doubt, no, we are, we are probably a four out of ten, Smithy. I don't even think we deserve a five because... Um, our expectations are higher than that now, and um, our side is better than that now, and we should be doing better than we did this summer. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the pluses for me, I think, Will Young towards the end, although, you know, uh, how do you gauge back-to-back uh, -back hundreds against a Netherlands bowling attack? I think we're still in the, uh, the jury's out verdict around Will Young. Conway is undoubted. Um, so we have to perhaps fill a batting position or two. I think we're okay there. We're... we're a, we still haven't made any ground spin and spin bowling at home. Uh, where, where do you see us in the all-rounder, perhaps, um, bowling side of things for the Black Caps? Have we made ground or are we losing ground or are we just treading water? No, 
I think I spoke to you. I'm getting really worried. I mean, I think Will Young's done everything he possibly can. Um, he, he's now in a position where Ross Taylor is disappearing. Um, you're right. I think you know he's made his way into the test side. He, he's shown that he's a quality player, and he just needs a bit more time to develop and around him some really good experience. So I think yeah, we're fine there. Yeah, I still have a real worry, Smithy, about our test lineup um, and the way we're setting up to play at home. Because you know what are we playing? Five seamers. Um, that last test against South Africa, uh, the first test against Bangladesh, I think bit us in the backside, Smithy, um, that we didn't play a spinner mm. because, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm really worried about the fact that we're, we're set up to play that way and it's a little bit like all our cards are in that deck and if it doesn't go our way, we don't have plan B. And over five days in a test match, if we don't win in three days, well, then we become very, very, I suppose, neutral and trying to be able to win on days four and five. And I, I just... I don't want to see test matches like that South African one that are done in two and a half days. Um, I don't think we want to be playing test matches where we win two and a half days. And, yeah, I just don't think our balance at the moment is right. You know, to have uh, five seamers, you've got the Grondholm batting um, at six, and then you've got, say, Blunder at seven, and then we can play four big quicks. We've nearly got to bite the bullet, Smithy, in the future, I think, and um, that we've got to start saying, well, hang on, we've got to not play one of Jamison, Wagner, Southey, Bolt, We've actually got to start thinking of the balance of the side. And, and I think over the next two years, that's the big question mark in this New Zealand side of how they do the all-rounder and how we start including a spinner because I, I think we're very one-dimensional at the moment. But we're still very good at that. But then again, is that the way we want to be playing in the future? I don't think so. And we don't want test matches done in two and a half days because you know, that's not doing our viewing public any good either. You know, you, I drove home from that first test in South Africa. I was ready to get home and sit on the couch and watch it on a Saturday afternoon, and it was over. Mm. So, you know, yeah. we've got to be careful there as well. You know, it's it's part of the game is we've got to inspire people to be able to play and, and want to play. Well, are we doing that when we're not actually having games on? Because they've done within two and a half days. Well, I totally agree, and I think we owe it to cricket to develop spinners um, because not all kids are, are physically able to bowl fast. Not, you know, they haven't got the physiques, but they, they want to be involved in the game. I mean, look at SKW. I mean, he never had a physique that was going to lend him to bowling quick in the game, but he, he was a spin bowler, a spin bowler. He made himself into a great spin bowler, and a lot of kids want to be Shane Warne. So I, I, don't, I, I don't see too many kids wanting to be spinners in this country yet. Uh, the game, it's such such a big space for spin in it that we just no longer can ignore it for the sake of just winning at home in that manner, I agree. I, I look at spin and the influence of spin in the Women's World Cup. It's a factor yeah. that we cannot ignore. We can't ignore it. Oh, I mean, I mean, we, we use it in the white ball game, but again, I was, I was commentating in Hamilton on Saturday and then East Sodi come on and rag one, you know, in a one-day game. And, I, and it was so cool to mm. see. And um, you're right, I mean... I mean, I've, I've, my youngest son's a leg spinner, and it's a little bit like, well, why would you, you know, you want to keep doing it, but why would you if you don't think you're ever going to play test cricket for New Zealand in your home country? So part of the inspiration of trying to develop, and that's what New Zealand cricket want to do, is develop black caps and inspire our next generation. Why would you want to be a spinner in New Zealand? Because one, the first class pitches are too flat, and they don't turn either. Um, so you're not going to get a lot of reward that. Then you actually go away, and then all of a sudden, you know, someone like Will Somerville was told, oh, by the way, you're going to India now, and we actually need you to front up and be our wicket-taker and our be- one of our best bowlers. And it's like, well, he hasn't played a test match for two years. He hasn't got played on a turning pitch for two years in New Zealand. So, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting side of the game, and I, I think it needs some real thought, and we've got to be very careful otherwise. You know, it's great having fast bowlers, 
but you're right. I mean, who was the one guy that I used to sit down and watch bowl in the last 25 years, and I played against him, was Shane Warne. Uh, to me, you know, we mm. and they're match winners, so we've got to produce those. So I'm with you on that. Um, no, probably no surprise there. Okay, well, that's the underlying opinions of Craig coming there, folks. Uh, it's been fantastic to to have you uh, uh, sit as part of our show on a regular basis, uh, our go-to guy. So thanks for your time over the summer. Um, I know you, uh, it doesn't stop for you because you continue with your development of players and that down in the Otago area, which was great. And who knows, we may uh, see your name in light shortly. We may not, depending on uh, what their particular moves are going forward within cricket in this country. But uh, anyway, we appreciate it, and you're, you've been a star for us. So cheers, buddy. Thank you. No, no, thanks, Billy. Appreciate all the support and uh, looking forward to maybe crossing codes now and actually getting into some winter sport. And I'll just listen on the wireless, Smitty. <laughs> listen on the wireless. Listen to SENZ, Sid, because uh, you've been part of the family. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Back, uh, mate. Craig coming there, folks. Yeah, yeah, Craig coming, folks. Uh, fantastic. And, uh, yeah, um, he, he, we can't ask him on air live, but um, personally... Personally, and uh, we're getting a lot of texts uh, already. Welcome back, buddy. Uh, are we listening to the coach of the um, new White Spoons coach coming forward? We know Bolcard is gone, so it's not a case of we're getting rid of him. He's gone. Um, are we listening to the next one and Craig coming? We shall see. Uh, 9.23 here on SENZ. Give us your report card on the cricketing summer, if you like. Double eight double three, or give us a call on 0800 And I'd love to talk to you. Won't bite, won't disagree, or might disagree, but it will be a nice disagreement, put it that way. Uh, yeah, double eight, double three. Give us your texts on those subjects. Yeah, that interview with Craig Cumming that we've just had uh, brought to us, of course, with PGG Rights and Turf. Ask about the Jura Landscape Lawn Seed from your local PGG Rights and or Fruit Fed store. Your texts have been coming in. Uh, Brett has said he is a real thinker of the game. It's Craig Cumming, really good to listen to. I hope he's a part of the future. I do, uh, really do. I like to see Kyle Jamison develop into an all-rounder so he can play a specialist spinner in every test. Jeff, the ref has come in hot this morning, and uh, I'll read those out uh, in the next hour. Jeff, thanks very much for your input there on a number of subjects, particularly about uh, how many of the Australian women players come from a state and international cricket family pedigree. Interesting. Should do our homework on that. Uh, the other thing we'd love to hear from you uh, this morning is folks at double eight double three. It's Mount Rushmore Day being Tuesday. How about your favourite four Highlanders? Your favourite four Landers? Your favourite four of uh, those guys from the Deep South, the pride of the Deep South, uh, give us those on double eight double three. Uh, Logan and I will be discussing that around eleven forty this morning, and we've already come up with the, our combinations. And we differ. We differ. We've uh, got one in common, I think, as we look across the board. So interesting. Your favourite Highlanders double eight double three. Meanwhile, it's Ottawa and the news. It's nine thirty here on SENZ. Well, you can join us uh, with Storm Purvis tonight with the Ricardo Ball, or you can join us right now with Storm Purvis. And there are only two games on the ANZ Premiership Netball calendar last weekend, but those two games provided us with some incredible moments, uh, including Bailey Mez's crazy flick back over the baseline to tie things up 50 apiece between the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic and the Central Pulse, only for Aliyah Dunn to snatch a one-goal win for the Pulse with time expired. Fascinating stuff. Uh, and intriguing stuff too, as uh, we're joined now by Storm to talk about it. First of all, Storm, uh, how's the comeback trail? We're hearing that uh, things have been out and about. Uh, you can't hide these days. You've been in the gym. So Silver Fern number 162, back on court shortly. That's what we're hearing. Well, to be fair, it was supposed to happen last weekend. Um, 
I won't say for which team, but both two teams that had approached me both ended up cancelling their round games. So five games turned into two games last round, round four. Um, both the Stars and the Tactics just couldn't muster together um, a strong enough squad, so they have had their games deferred under COVID-19 protocol. So I think it's a sign, Smithy, that it's just not meant to happen, and I just need to stay in my lane, and um, yeah, <laughs> not much else to say there. Well, what are, what are we looking at here, a, a, a CNN announcement or something? Like, I mean, you're not going to do anything official until you're actually like about to walk on court? I mean, why, why can't we know who's chasing you, chasing your skills? Well, uh, t- well, you can know. The stars and the tactics both asked, and I think, I mean, that's probably All no right. surprise because they're the two teams that have had, um, you know, issues trying to get enough players together because so many of them are, are either down with COVID or are isolating as close contacts. So um, it was actually both of those teams, to be honest. But the reason it hasn't been, like, announced as such is, A, it's not a big deal. We've seen lots of players come out... Um, and answer SOSs so far this season. And B, like nothing is confirmed until you're literally in the stadium about to play. Like I was getting ready to suit up for one of those teams and then before I knew it, both games were cancelled. So it's just um, the times we're trying to live in at the moment in this competition, they're trying to keep it running and do what they can, but it's just so uncertain. And, um, you know, the league and the teams are doing such a great job considering um, how much adversity has been thrown at them. And it was just great that we did get two great games over the weekend, considering what's happening at the moment. Yeah, it is great, and uh, I really, I for one, want to uh, see you back on court. So let's uh, hope that does come to fruition. Uh, COVID or no COVID, let's discuss that fifty-one fifty-one for the, the pulse over the magic. How does that rank for you in terms of, say, quality netball for a start? It was actually up there with my game of the season so far. Um, We saw the Mystics Pulse Thriller the round before, which was maybe higher quality netball throughout the 60 minutes. But last night, just in terms of the sheer thrill of the final two minutes, was fantastic. And I think it's a game that no one was kind of expecting the Magic to really um, challenge. And I think everyone thought the Pulse would take that win quite easily. So... From that perspective, it was great to watch. It was great to see Liana Debrain back on court. Great to see Amelia and Ekanasio play three quarters this week. Hopefully, um, you know, next week we get to see her play a full game. But, you know, you already talked about Smithy, the over the head, out the out the baseline shot from mm. Bailey Nears, and then the buzzer beater from the edge of the circle from Aaliyah Dunn. It was it was just crazy, and um, it was great to see the magic get better and better as the as the season goes on because. Um, it's no secret I've kind of been their toughest critic, um, and I, you know, I've questioned some of their recruitment and whatnot. So it's actually great to see them kind of shut me up a little bit and perform really well. The Mystics sixty-seven fifty-nine over the Steel, and uh, the other match of the weekend, which confirms their place at the top of the table. Um, are we look at the champions this far out? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you were a betting person, you know, you could put your money on the Mystics, I think. If they've got their full squad of 10 available, I say that because even their bench is ridiculous, um, then, yeah, they're going to be really hard to beat. We haven't seen the Stars in full force yet. We haven't seen, you know, the Pulse up against the Mystics in full force yet. So it's still still early days. But if Grace Wicky, their goal shoot is healthy and she can play a full 60 minutes, um, they're going to be really tough to beat. There's just not many defenders in the country at the moment that can match her, and that was certainly the Steel's issue over the weekend. 
Okay, so uh, are we looking at any any players? Has uh, anyone in the in the four rounds or four part rounds that we've been able to complete so far, Stormers? Has anyone said to uh, Dame Nolene, um, "I'm I'm back uh, to the level that you would like to see"? For instance, those returning players, or what about new stuff? Yeah, look, I guess in the um, scope of returning players, I think Dame Knowles will be really excited about Amelia Ann's return, um, former Silverstone captain. She's just, I think, only like five months ago um, given birth to her second child. The first round, we only saw her for a quarter. She definitely didn't, you know, look herself. And um, I think a few people might have been a bit worried that, you know, there was no way she was going to make a comeback in time for Com Games. But over the last two rounds, she's played a half a game. Um, and three quarters of the game and shot at really high volume and percentage. So she's the type of player that I think Knowles would be thinking, man, if she's on one leg, I still want to take her to Commonwealth Games just because she's a proven game winner um, and, you know, someone who brings that experience we need in that goal attack position for the Ferns. In terms of a bolter, I have been really impressed with Kate Burley. Um, she has made a move from the Mystics down to the Steel, and I've talked about her a lot on this particular radio station, um, you know, getting out of her comfort zone, moving south and just challenging herself. And she is doing a fantastic job. I think the only thing that kind of doesn't work in her favour is that she is on the shorter side for a defender. Um, but if you've watched either of the Steel versus Mystics games, you would have seen her competing in the air with Grace Mickey, who's at least 15 centimetres taller than her. So I've been really mm. impressed with, um, with Katie's move and her determination and just, you know, she's really challenging herself to grow. Um, she's been someone that's been on the cusp of the Ferns for so many years, and I'm wondering if this year might be her year. Before we get on to uh, what's coming up this weekend and round five, it was, uh, was interesting to see the Mystics men's and Stars men's put on a, a bit of a show before that Mystic Steel game. Uh, we know that uh, Dave Nolene has used the, ma- the male team as a tool, really, to prepare in the past because of COVID restrictions, etc., not getting quality opposition, but... Uh, what, what kind of future is there for the male game? For, for blokes interested in wanting to play, how strong is it? Where, where's it headed? Look, I, I actually don't really know the answer to that question just yet, Smithy. I think it was fantastic that you know the public um, and TV viewers got to see a men versus men game because we've seen the New Zealand men play against the Ferns before and it's always such a great spectacle. But um, I interviewed a few of the men's players prior to that match and they said they were just excited to kind of not feel like they're holding back and not be afraid to, you know, really give it to their opposition. So it was that, if, if you watched it, it was a really exciting spectacle and, and great to see a really different skill set out on court. Um, it's not the tidiest netball. I think, you know, um, as females, we've been drilled and drilled for years about how to play and, and structures and whatnot, whereas the men kind of rely more on their physicality and their physical abilities so it's, it's really fun to watch in terms of where it's going to go going forward I think Cruz Tangira the captain of the Mystics men's team put it nicely that they just wanted to lay the foundation to other franchises out there to say we can do this get your franchises behind you and, and organize a game it wasn't that hard um, it'd be great to see you know a steel versus tactics men's game maybe sometime soon and then eventually see what the interest is like what the reaction is like and see how it can grow um, from a kind of biased netball perspective, I'm all about netball growing on the world stage and we know that the Olympic mm. Committee love sports that, you know, with equality that females and males both play. So if we can get netball to the Brisbane, you know, 2032 Olympics, that would be amazing. And I think having the men's game showcased more often will only help that cause.
Yeah, absolutely, totally concur with those thoughts. Uh, round five, really busy round this weekend. Starts on Saturday in Rotorua with uh, the Magic and the Steel. That will be a good one. I think, you know, the Steel are wanting to prove that they deserve to be up there at the top of the table where they sit at the moment. Um, and the Magic are just, momentum is really on their side. It's at home, um, if they have Liana Debrain back in, back in the black Magic dress, that would be great. Hopefully we see Amelia Ann for a full 60 minutes. Um, so they will definitely, you know, be targeting that game as one they can take. But to counter that, the Steel know that they want to get a win. Um, they've been pretty inconsistent so far this season. You know, some great wins, some 20-goal losses, which is not something we're used to seeing from the Steel brand of netball. They're known for their ball retention and, and their consistency. So two teams really desperate to put on a good show. I think that'll be a great game. Sunday uh, is the tactics, needing some points badly, um, but uh, you've talked very highly about the Mystics. Would there be an upset in the offing there or no? Well, I know the Tactics have had a rough couple of weeks and I'm, I'm almost positive that some of their players are still not out of isolation um, in the early stages of this week, so they'll be wanting to get them out there and out on court quickly. Unfo- unfortunately, because of that reason, I just I can't see the Tactics kind of challenging the Mystics there. Mystics are one of the really lucky teams that had all their COVID issues right at the beginning of the season. Um, and they've either all had it or all, all safe, so they've had consistent playing time and training time together. Um, so I, oh, I don't like to say it, but I think that could be a one-sided affair. We've got the Magic uh, having a busy weekend because uh, they've got to follow up that game with the Steel with a, a trip to, uh, to Auckland uh, to play the Northern Stars. Now, the Northern Stars, we, uh, we don't know too much about them. They've hardly played this year. Just about to say the same thing. I just I don't know what to expect from the Stars at the moment. So that'll be a great game to watch just to see. I mean, the Stars have a really great roster. Um, they've recruited well. They've retained their core from last year. Um, and they, they have a lot to prove as well because they peaked so early last season and then kind of um, choked a little bit towards the end. And they really don't want to do that this season. And I know they've talked about getting better and better every week and, and peaking at the right time. So... Uh, to be honest, I don't know. In terms of matchups, I'm not too sure what to expect from that game, but my eyes will definitely be heavily on the Stars just to see how they play as a unit. Um, you know, they were, they've were they had three games cancelled so far this season, so you can imagine that they probably haven't had yeah. that much training together as a team. So I think that game will be a scrappy one to start and it'll get better as the game goes on, but definitely one worth watching. I won't ask you about the Pulse playing against the Southern Steel on Monday night, but it does cap off a busy weekend of netball. But I will ask you uh, about what's on tonight, centre pass and focus, uh, tonight at 8pm here on SENZ. What have you got lined up for us, please, Storm? Well, we're going to talk to one of the men's players, one of the Mystics men's players. I'm not too sure who we've managed to lock in just yet. I know Cruz Tangira isn't available, but he's a... TV hog anyway, so we're all sick of hearing from him. So we'll try and get someone different just to hear their thoughts on where they'd like the game to go um, going forward and how they found the momentous occasion over the weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that chat. We'll review the round, probably quite similar to what we've just done now, but that's okay. We'll get into a little more nitty-gritty detail. And we're also going to talk to Kelly Jury, who um, has had two great showings in the yellow pulse dress over the past two weeks, MVP over the weekend. Um, I just want to hear from her about you know why she's so great this season, what's changed and, and how she's finding an equal. So yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again too, Storm, uh, when we get the opportunity. Good luck with the show tonight. We'll be listening 
Uh, and thanks for your time this morning. It's been great. Lovely. Thanks, Louis. Cheers. 9.44 here on SENZ. We'll be back very shortly. Uh, we'll talk to Louis before uh, 10 o'clock, but uh, we'll also have some of your texts. They're flooding in about your Highlanders too. You're very passionate down there in the deep south. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. TheLoveRacing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit LoveRacing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. And at an earlier time for me anyway, uh, Louis Herman Watt comes in, which uh, it was just great, uh, Louis, to talk about uh, racing as we do. Uh, I read a headline yesterday where uh, Berg, Royden Bergeson, might be looking to take Wolverine over to take on Fireburn. That would be some sort of task, that. Oh, Smithy, Fireburn, um, you're right. Fireburn actually undercover is maybe the story of the autumn. This filly is incredible. You know, she's going into the Group 1 Moe and Shandon Champagne Stakes, so the old Champagne Stakes over the mile at Randwick, with the chance to be the first horse since per- Piero, who did it um, as a cult, who's went on to have a great career at stud, um, all those years ago to win the slipper, then to, to come on and win uh, the week, the race in the weekend that she just won, and... Um, then to turn up the size and then to turn up and win the, the mile race over the 1600 and and she actually put them away so easily did you see it you see the way Brenton Avdala was yeah. swinging off her at the bend I, I looked away to turn around and look back I mean I, he probably got fined for it as four grand said, four rack yeah four gr- four grand four grand for that I mean that to me that's pathetic uh, and, and it's own right I mean that's just that's just fantastic uh, for me, that kind of stuff, because there's no danger involved in that. I, I think you've got to re- review that retrospectively. But, hey, that was cool. Uh, it was cool to see that. Uh, it was also uh, cool to see uh, Mark Walker back. And, uh, you know, I think they flew in by helicopter, didn't they? Tiako into Awapuni at the weekend and uh, flew away with the, with the bickies once more with a couple of unlikely winners, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that sounds about right. Just to wrap up, Wolverine, you're right. She is. So she is looking like she might go over. I think they're just going to make their mind up over the next couple of days. So Berg will have a gut feeling um, and she'll have a crack at that mile race. Tough, though. It is It is tough. It's different kettle of fish over there. And there's that two-year-old yep. in Western Australia, uh, Amelia's Jewel, who was so good. Yes. She might be the most talented of the lot, although Fireburn, honestly, I think she could be the horses of a, of a lifetime, as Gary Portelli said. Um, do you Arkell, they cleaned up with Maven Bell. I love Sammy Weatherly. I think Sam Weatherly is the future of the men's jockeys room. Smithy, I've said this before. Um, yes, we've got McNabb and Grillsy, these old, you know, these guys that are just riding winners after winners after winners. But Sam Weatherly is only 21, I think. He's a good young dude. He's professional. He turns up. He's good in the media. And he's, you know, when, when these older guys, the Leiths, the Opies, the Vinnies retire, you need that next wave to come through. So I was stoked for Sam. And on the bubbles... Um, I think Jared and, and Hazy and the crew were holding out hope that he might get the trip, but I think they know once and for all now he's not the 2,000-metre horse. I think the mile is his tops. And what do you reckon about a Golden Eagle, Smithy? What do you reckon about that cash? Well, I think I'd be all right, but I won't see any of it. So <laughs> I'm not really that concerned, Louis. Doesn't I inheritance work well, the other way? No, you've got to do your homework on that. It doesn't. So unless you're... Uh, Okay, unless you're, um, uh, I think you'll be holding out, so they are too. So we'll, <laughs> we'll go to the break on that, Louie, that uh, sobering thought, and we'll be back very <laughs> shortly with a multi before 10 o'clock. Thank you. On SCNZ. 
You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. All right, today then, uh, let's go to the Central Coast uh, to beat the Phoenix. Hate to say it, but my brain tells me over my heart at $1.91. Uh, the NCAA Grand Final today, it's Kansas, the top seeds, to beat North Carolina at a buck 51. Wonderful basketball, that March Madness, uh, coming to a close. And Pakistan to beat Australia tonight in a T20 match at a buck 73. So uh, there we go, Central Coast into Kansas, into Pakistan for $4.99, $4.99. Uh, just quickly, uh, time to uh, read out a couple of texts. Davis said, uh, my top four, Ash Dixon, Josh Cromfield, Stu Forster, Paul Cook. Definite Hawks Bay flavour there. Um, uh, Goldie, Ben Smith, Josh Cromfield, Aaron Smith, says Jared. Plenty of them coming in. Keep them in, folks. More on that after 10 o'clock uh, as well uh, as uh, a little chat with uh, the lady of the moment for me anyway, Andrea Nelson, who has just finished with the Women's Cricket World Cup as the CEO of the organising committee. What a job. What a job. We'll talk to her and bask in her glory uh, after the news here. It's Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Pressure will build with every dot. Catch it. Backing back, backing back. That's the catch. The five-year master plan has come to fruition for Australia. They have what they came for. It's the World Cup title. They reinvented themselves after the semi-final of 2017. They've reinvented themselves into one-off, if not the best team we have ever seen. Well, that is a great event coming to a close in terms of action on the field and uh, it was confirmed that uh, Australia, of course, are world champions for the Cricket Women's World Cup 2022. But uh, work went on after that. Uh, If you watch, there was a a ceremony, of course. Uh, Plenty of people were still very, very busy at the ground itself and uh, plenty of people watching on too with mixed thoughts. So I would imagine the fact that it had gone so well uh, but the fact that it uh, was coming to a close, and I, I imagine one of those is uh, Andrea Nelson, who joins us now uh, today, for me anyway, uh, the woman of the moment, because uh, through thick and thin she's been able to put together one of the great events on New Zealand soil in recent history, I believe, anyway. So, Andrea, first of all, heartiest congratulations. Um, what did you feel when you woke up, uh, what, yesterday morning, uh, the, the morning after the night before? Uh, when uh, all your hard work uh, on the field anyway was uh, said and done. Yeah, thank you so much for your kind comments. That means a lot coming from you. Uh, Look, uh, yesterday was an amazing day to have uh, reflected back on the success of the event, and I think Sunday was magical. You know, the sun came out, Cantabrians came out in force. We we thought they would, and and we were right. They came out, families, kids, having fun, and sticking around to the end, not often you see a crowd full of New Zealanders given Australia a standing ovation. And I think that just goes to show you this event was a bit unexpected for people. It took them by surprise and absolutely loved it. Oh, I think they would have given anyone a standing ovation, Andrea, and I'll tell you why. is because uh, they loved what they were seeing. And, uh, OK, Australia set the benchmark. There's no doubt about that. England put in a, a relatively brave fight. There wasn't a New Zealand player or New Zealand team on show. 
I think it's credit to what you achieved and credit to what the ladies on the field achieved uh, as much as anything else. That's the reason they came and stayed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you can do all the bells and whistles for the event, but the event is about the athletes. And the women who took part in this tournament just put on an incredible show. I don't think there's ever been so many close finishes. The pitches were perfectly prepared for women's cricket, which meant that they were high scores, they were close games, and, you know, really those athletes, I mean, certainly I've found myself becoming a fan of people like Diana Bay and, you know, <laughs> players I never would have heard mm. of coming into this tournament. And it's just amazing to see the whole of New Zealand really adopt the, the whole tournament and not just the New Zealand team. Look, you've come from a history of um, the London Olympics. You've been involved with, uh, with FIFA at an under-20 level. You've done work with the Rugby League World Cup, Andrea. But surely uh, you must be so proud. This must be your crowning glory at this point. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, pressure makes diamonds, and we certainly had a fair bit to deal with uh, with this event. Um, you know, I think we, we, we got it all on the, um, on the COVID roller coaster. We had postponements, we had lockdowns, you know, we had travel restrictions, we had crowd restrictions. But what's incredibly, what makes me incredibly proud is throughout it all, the whole team never stopped thinking about what's important, which was the players and the, and the cricket. And we made it happen. We had a tagline, let's show them. And, you know, I said to the team and I shared the photo of us, uh, of us on the, uh, you know, after the Australian team and celebrated on the, on the uh, mm. winner's stage. And I said to say, we did show them. We showed New Zealand. I think I'm proud of New Zealand for having adopted the whole sport as well and really getting behind it. Well, you had it put on hold for a year, um, was all set to go last year. You had to uh, wait till this year for it to come around. Uh, initially, you were given a 10% capacity uh, seating. I was there, the opening game, New Zealand against the West Indies. Uh, there were a lot of people sitting in the marquee, but there weren't as many people on the bank as you would have liked. And I wonder what your thoughts were when you looked out and thought, uh, this is a great occasion. Are we going to get the atmosphere at any stage that we deserve here? Yeah, look, we um, were always hopeful, you know, and we worked really closely with the government and we knew that the, that the the way they were seeing the Omicron wave happening meant that it was possible that there would be a loosening of restrictions. So we just took the decision to keep the ticketing live, to not close the gates, to bring as many people in as we could bring in and, and could do safely throughout the tournament. And you're right, it started at 10% and then we had that great day at Basin Reserve. Not, not mm. necessarily the greatest result uh, for New Zealand that day, but the... Uh, 20% crowd came out in force, and I, it felt like a lot more. Um, and then, you know, and that, and that grew and grew. And when New Zealand went out, we thought, well, that might be a challenge to fill a stadium for two non-New Zealand teams. But it wasn't in the slightest. People were so excited to be back in, inside venues and watching sport live. And the other thing is you need great weather to play cricket. Um, we were pretty lucky. Uh, I think we had one game where the, the points were shared. There was a couple that were cut back in terms of time, but... Overall, uh, we were pretty well blessed with that too. Yeah, look, when we ran the weather for uh, March and April, some people said we're a bit mad, but it actually is more settled that time of year traditionally. So, no, we were really, we were very lucky to have only one match rained off at a World Cup. It's quite unusual, actually, and you know, so to get there, we're really pleased. But gosh, when I woke up that morning on uh, Sunday and it was a bluebird mm. day in Christchurch, I thought, well, you know, sometimes, just sometimes, we do get lucky. I know you're in high demand and you, you, know, you, you really can't think straight um, because so many things are going through your mind on a, on a grand final day as such. But did you have a moment to just uh, stand back uh, wherever you were and just look at that crowd and, and just feel that atmosphere? Did you, did you afford yourself that luxury? 
Yeah, look, there was one moment for me. I don't know, you'd know a man called Lee Robinson from uh, Hagley Oval, mm-hmm. and he and I worked together to bring the lights to Hagley Oval um, as, as part of the hosting of the final. And as Alyssa Healy had her standing ovation, um, you know, he and I sat there and looked at the crowd, looked at the lights and thought, well, you know, that's a job well done then. It was uh, it's better than a job well done. Because, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why I, I think it's, uh, it's been such a, uh, a thrilling success is the demographic of the crowds, Andrea. Uh, we saw a lot of kids, a lot of, young, a lot of young kids running around playing cricket, just having fun uh, at these events, which is quite rare. Um, I, I think the def- demographics show that um, it was a success for me as much as anything. Yeah, that's what we were aiming for. And it was amazing that despite the crowd restrictions, that still worked. You know, our whole campaign was about take the kids and enjoy a family day out. We had free childcare once the crowd restrictions allowed us to do that. We had the trampoline park mm. going on at Hagley Oval, you know. And, and so to see that vision kind of come to reality and look at those kids, you know, following Sophie Devine, asking for her autograph at um, Basin Reserve, you know, after the, in the semi-final and... Really, I think you'll see a lot of young people inspired to try cricket as a result. Well, I walked up the stairs at the Basin Reserve along with Frankie Mackay, and there was a number of people um, yelling out, "Hey, Frankie!" She's become a bit of a uh, uh, a bit of an icon, uh, um, and also, you know, people like Katie Martin. And I'm only talking about uh, the White Ferns here, but these are the girls that are going to inspire our girls going forward. And I, I think, on evidence of what I saw, that's a tick in the column too. Yeah, look, I think the other one was the front page, back page and first two pages of the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday was all about the Australian win. So, you know, it is a global event and each of these teams in their home country are building a following. I just think the Women's World Cup in four years is going to be at the next level after that. And that's what I'm really excited to see is, you know, how does this event build a platform for success globally for cricket? And then locally here, you know, women's rugby is only a few months away and I think the tickets are going on sale really soon. So I just think if people loved our event, they'll love that one too. Get along and you know, keep the momentum going. And there's a similarity too, because uh, the way things are at the moment, uh, the Black Ferns will enter that tournament just like the White Ferns, perhaps not favourites, and uh, so therefore they're going to need all the support they can get. Look, I, I looked at Twitter uh, last night. There was a great photo of, it was 44 people in your photo, and that was taken <laughs> after the players had gone away from... Uh, the winner's podium, and you had a photo of uh, your helpers, those that were around, 44 of them in that mix. So you had a massive team uh, at your disposal. Yeah, look, that was including the ICC, so the international cricket guys um, bring a decent team in as well. But, no, we had a great team here. And as you say, some of them, you know, had to do had to stand down for a while when we were postponed, but they came back. You know, we had some that came on board and had to cut down the hours. So they've been through a fair bit of disruption, as the whole world has over the last two years. But, you know, I'm amazed by their mm. resilience and the fact that they came together to deliver this event under really very challenging circumstances. And the blue coats, the volunteers around the country as well, who, I mean, you just cannot organise this. I mean, you can have a staff of what you like, but without those people who are prepared to drive people somewhere or prepared to help people get to the right place or time and place... and uh, I mean, uh, and you just saw them of various ages. Oh, goodness me, there's a former All Black, Afisa Tanuki, who was a driver in Auckland, and he just loved every moment of it. I understand. So, uh, the volunteers. Yeah, we had the um, we had the Speaker of the House actually volunteer for us. So Trevor Mallard was a, a, a volunteer in, in Basin Reserve, and um, apparently he was put in charge of putting some plugs together 
and, and doing some wiring, which uh, his team informed me we really shouldn't have let him do that. So, <laughs> but no, it was great. Everywhere you met, you had volunteers with smiling faces, and as you say, from all walks of life. And what was great is some of them had never volunteered at a big event before. So, hopefully, they'll sign up again for the next two World Cups that are coming to town. Well, I watched you on telly yesterday morning. I mean, you were dancing. Uh, you're basically dancing on the street uh, in Christchurch. <laughs> I can still hear. I can still hear. You're still on a high. I can still. You're still on a pretty big high, Andrea. Oh, look, I'm probably. Look, you have to be a pretty optimistic, positive person to keep running a World Cup in the middle of a global pandemic. So uh, I'm pretty okay when things are bad, and I'm very happy when things went well. And I don't think I could be prouder than how we were on uh, how the event finished on Sunday in Christchurch. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was an absolute plus. I saw the Deputy Prime Minister, uh, Minister of Sport, with a huge beaming smile on his face too, and he wasn't looking oh, at New Zealand playing. He's been a huge advocate so I, for this event. Yeah. A huge advocate for this event, yeah. Okay, so um, I don't see Andrea Nelson sitting still for very long. What next for you? Well, look, first of all, I need to see my kids. Uh, I sleep in my bed for the first time since mid-February, and then I'll work out what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> Uh, well, Andrea, uh, all I can say is behalf of our, on behalf of our listeners, on behalf of people around the country, uh, congratulations on what you've achieved. Um, I think you've achieved um, absolutely, probably more, uh, and the reaction to it, uh, I think, was evidence of that. I'll never forget that crowd um, uh, on Sunday, and I think it's probably one of the best sporting crowds I've seen in New Zealand for a long, long time. Judy, you're good work. So thank you very much for your time this morning, and thanks for what you've been able to do over the last two to three years and to pull it off like you did. Thank you so much, Nettie. Cheers. Uh, Andrea Nelson there, folks. And man, well, and, uh, what a performance, honestly. If uh, there's not a, a Dame Andrea or something in the pipeline, I'll be very, very surprised uh, because uh, she deserves it. When you bring something of that note, which benefits the country to that degree, uh, and women's sport in particular, which is on the up, um, you've got a hard act to follow, Women's Real Cup. You've got a hard act to follow. So I would imagine, Andrea Nelson, you might want to give her a, a bang on the pipes every now and then just to see how you're tracking because she knows how to get it done. It is 10.15 here on SENZ. Uh, just a couple of texts before we throw to the break, and then, of course, we've got the panel coming up. Uh, Highlanders top four. Well, uh, try Aaron Smith, Jeff Wilson, Goldie's in a few of them, Ben Smith, Josh Cronfeld, and try to find room for Jamie Joseph and Carl Heyman. Ah, interesting. Okay, Jamie Joseph and Carl Heyman. Uh, how about... How about uh, Jeff the Ref, who's been huge this morning. He's been drinking coffee by the bucket load. Uh, Josh Cronfield named his son Josh after him. Jeff Wilson, Goldie, Stu Forster, the Bear, and Johnny Timu, J2. There's a real Hawks Bay influence coming through here, and I'm loving it. It's 10.16 here on SENZ. Panel time shortly. Shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. And this morning the panel uh, consists of, and I'm glad to say, Jordan Oppert uh, is joining us this morning and uh, Mark Watson is with us as well. Uh, Mark, I'll begin with you uh, if I can, please, this morning. Uh, Ross Taylor's uh, final game. So uh, it's, it's been, it's gone it's been a long time coming. He announced it quite some time ago. Uh, what about your thoughts on that final display and Ross Taylor in general? Oh, I just, yeah, remarkable. I mean, he just endeared himself to the public throughout his entire career. He's just one of those athletes, very hard to dislike him. Um, 
you know, always carried his bat with such grace, always very humble. I mean, I was just reading through those st- statistics this morning there, Ian. 450 international matches, 80,199 runs, 351 catches as a fielder, 40 hundreds, the most for a New Zealand cricketer. 181 highest score by a New Zealand cricketer in a successful ODI chase. I mean, the 290 sort of a whacker against Australia. Uh, I think he was captain, wasn't he, when they beat Australia in that test match in Tasmania back in 2011. But I think the real telling thing of Ross Taylor and the type of person he is, it must have been very, very difficult when he lost that captaincy um, to um, Brendan McCullum. You know, he was captain under John Wright. Then we had that changing of the guard. That can't have been easy for him. Look, he took some time out to address it um, by not touring South Africa. But then when he came back and decided, yes, I want to be still play for New Zealand, he was the ultimate team man. And I think it was fitting that that last game was in Hamilton last night. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be strange, isn't it, going forward with no Ross Taylor in that New Zealand lineup? Um, when it comes to one day batting, you know, arguably our greatest ever. When you look at the batting average, you look what he achieved and. Um, you know, you thought Nathan Astle set a pretty high standard and then Ross Taylor came along. So, yeah, uh, look, Smithy, um, remarkable career and well done to Ross Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, somebody was there, lucky enough to be there and absorb the occasion. Uh, was it, we always, I think we were always going to win the game. You saw a couple of one-day hundreds. Jordan Offit, uh, good morning to you. Uh, you tend to, to get around a bit these days, uh, but you, I think it's fair to say you were at the right place to shed a tear last night. <laughs> Look, if there's one silver lining to having COVID is that it wrapped itself up in plenty of time for this game. There was no way I was missing it. I booked it actually at his last test because I was there covering it for my news at Hagley. So I've been at both now. And I must say, yesterday was a very different first yeah, through, through comms. Um, is that Taylor, is, he's been loyal through thick and thin, as you say. He's one of our best ever batsmen. He's absolute legend. But the thing that kind of struck me is the, I, I guess, the inspiration he's had across a lot of generations. Most of the kids there wearing tailor tops, they all had tailor tops. He played, started playing 16 years ago. I would say these kids weren't even born until maybe he was five or six years deep into his career. And there was one little boy mm. sitting beside us with his dad. And as soon as Taylor came in, he was analysing every shot, saying, like, Dad, that's a good shot. And he knew everything about Ross Taylor. And I just think that's what makes him so special, is that, He's really appealed to absolutely everyone. And what a place to bow out at Seddon Park. It was a beautiful day there. But what I do think I'm going to put the shout out now is that I think in his honour there should be maybe a tree planted or a gazebo or a marquee. Because let me tell you, she's a scorcher. Especially after a couple of beersies, you need some sort of shade. And Seddon is not, not friendly for that. So what about a Ross Taylor tree or marquee? Thoughts? Yeah, I like a Ross Taylor tree. I'd have it at deep mid-wicket up on the bank because that's where he was looking most of the time throughout the early stage of his career. So I'd have it up. That'd have to be a pretty quick-growing uh, quick tree. Um, but I, I'm with that. I'm with that. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that idea. I, I also like, uh, Mark, what I've been watching. I, I think it's been a bit of a, a boom time for, for women's cricket in particular. We did a bit of a, a report card with Craig Cumming this morning. We weren't overly glowing on uh, on the Black Caps, to be fair. I'm not sure what what your thoughts would be on that. A, a home summer mark where we don't win a Test series. We are the Test uh, Test champions at the moment. Uh, I just think mediocre at best for the Black Caps. 
Yeah, look, fascinating, wasn't it? Because, you know, the Black Cats, to be honest, over the last sort of 10 years have had a remarkable record and have really taken that next step and really sort of stepped out of the shadows and become a real focal point for New Zealand sports fans. And then suddenly, you know, I saw Bangladesh yesterday drop that test match to South Africa, bowled out, I think, to 51 in their second inning, Mm. um, probably summing up what we probably expected from Bangladesh. And then, yeah, South Africa, well, they're in a rebuilding phase. Look, having spoken to a number of different cricket correspondents, when I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of work for ECNZ and people like Garth Galloway, (laughs) spin bowling. Um, I I think it's an area where we need to shift our thinking. I agree with Garth on this, that we need to start adopting a more attacking approach rather than sort of more of a conservative, defensive type. Um, You know, historically with our spinners, the likes of Mitchell Santner, I think that's an area we need to work on. I, I think clearly we miss Kane Williamson. Um, and we've talked about depth in New Zealand cricket, but, make, you know, I, I certainly think there's depth when it comes to the bowling side. Too much so, mm. where, again, we have ignored our spinners. But do we have the depth on the batting side of it? And can you be a world-class test side without a quality spin bowler? And, and I, I, I mean, I'll throw it back on you. I, I mean, it's your game. You've played at the highest level, Ian. You're the voice of the game. Yeah, key to get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, look, Mark, my, my I was um, I'll be honest with you. When I when I played, we were a side that was dominated by seam as well, pace and and uh, you know with Richard Hadley, it's hard not to. But uh, every now and then we inf- we infrequently played spinners, um, and we played to our what we believed was our strength at home, and that I think is what they're doing now. But uh, I think the game's changed now in the last uh, five, six, seven years. Maybe Warner's done that as well. Uh, uh, David Shane Warner's done that as well. Kids want to spin the ball. They want to spin the ball these days. You see them practicing much, much more than they used to. And I, I really do think we owe it to the next generation of cricketers in this country. We've seen it in the Women's World Cup, what an influence spin can be on any game of cricket in any form. So I'm with you. Uh, we need, and I'm with Garth. Uh, we need to develop spin. But we need, the only way we're going to do that is to have, to have it front and centre on the biggest stage uh, and see people doing it. Um, and until we do that, we won't be able to do it and develop it, so I, I agree with you there, Mark. Jordan, um, I'm not sure you were in Hamilton, I'm not sure were you in Christchurch on Sunday uh, to see that magnificent occasion where Cantabrians turned up in, in numbers, it was such a great spectacle. No, I wish I was, Smithy, I so wish I was, but I mean, would you expect anything less from Cantabrians? I don't think so, but um, yeah, no, look, honestly, to see that place packed out, was just brilliant to see so many of the white ferns there too, um, you know, and, and people, you know, you've got to presume most people there were kind of just picking aside to back that day, but they really did go all out. There was face paint, some people had pom-poms, banners, I mean, you were there obviously. It just looked like an mm. absolutely magical day out. And um, let's just hope that can continue for women's cricket from here on out. I mean, I know it wasn't, you know, how we would have liked things to pan out with the white ferns, but you can't fault the fact that they've inspired hundreds, if not thousands, of young girls and boys across New Zealand to get involved. And I, I think that's only a positive thing. Yep, I do. Uh, please stay with us, Jordan Oppert and uh, Mark Watson with us this morning on the panel. We're going to have a short uh, break for the news. When we come back, uh, we might look at the appointment uh, of Wayne Smith, uh, appointed as Blackburn's technical coach. Uh, with the hope of turning things around and trying to bridge that gap that we saw was so evident with those Northern Hemisphere teams. Uh, That's coming up shortly on part two of the panel. Uh, In the meantime, here's Aroha. 
We have got Jordan Oppert with us this morning and Mark Watson as well. And Mark, uh, the appointment of Wayne Smith as a technical coach for the uh, Black Ferns in the hope that uh, he can turn it around. He hasn't got long uh, to bridge that gap with those Northern Hemisphere teams. Saw France play this morning. They absolutely murdered Ireland. So um, what do you reckon about this appointment for Wayne Smith? Oh, look, touch of genius, um, Wayne Smith. I mean, he's the professor, isn't he? He's a guru. Uh, I mean, you go back through the All Blacks victories in 2011 and 2015 at the World Cup, and yes, it was Graham Henry and Steve Hansen. They ended up getting the plaudits, but it was well... You know, I think it was sort of well known that, you know, arguably maybe the biggest influence was Wayne Smith and what he brought to the game and his ability to analyse and break things down and then carry that across technically as well. And I think we noticed the All Blacks sort of drop off when he sort of got out of that environment around about 2017. And I think the All Blacks sort of struggled in those two years following that leading up to the 2019 World Cup. Um, so look, I mean, yeah, the, the, the Black Ferns have their back up against the wall. Lost four tests, you know, badly by England in two tests last year, and then France by two tests. They're clearly the two best female nations in the world at the moment. Uh, yes, we are running out of time. You're 100% correct. Um, I guess the thing that we do have in our advantage is we will be playing here at home. Um, can mm. he turn it around? I think he can certainly make a difference in closing the gap. Um, is it going to be enough? Well, I mean, I guess what England and France have got, and it's something that New Zealand's always carried, and they've got to deal with it, and I think Steve Henson alluded to it when Ireland went into the last World Cup as favourites. France and England have to deal with the favouritism tag, and and sometimes that can, you know, affect the psyche a little bit. But I still think we've got to back up against the wall, but it's a really good positive step. Yeah, I like it. I, I mean, it's, I can't see a downside to it. Uh, Jordan, I would imagine you're of the same opinion now. I would imagine part of this, Jordan, has come out of uh, the review process that went into the saga towards the end of last year uh, involving the coach and the coach's comments, etc., about players. Uh, do you see it that way? Is this, is this going to remedy that? Uh, is there anything else coming out of that review? I mean, as we say, we're running out of time here. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Time is of the essence now. But it seems to be that they're trying to throw everything at it. And and in a way, that isn't exactly going against any of the other coaches, just looking to bolster already that coaching lineup. Um, and I just think they've got to try something. And I and they need to desperately. I mean, Opiki, I mean, towards the end, there was some good rugby being played, but it was touch and go to start with. And I think, you know, that was supposed to be sort of the breeding ground for this the, the future of women's rugby. I mean, they've got to bit of momentum with that I guess I mean I have seen a few like Matatu shirts around in Christchurch and things like that they've got a World Cup coming up and they need to get everyone on board, players, coaches the public and you'd like to think they'll take a few um, leagues out of the Cricket World Cup book and start now with everything, I mean appointing um, you know Wayne Smith is a good start but they've got plenty more, more to do and I just don't know whether he is the answer to the problems when it comes to what's happening on the field um, but I mean <laughs> You've got the best person to try and help, right? Well, I think they've got a great blueprint, as you said, Jordan. Uh, Mark, And the sooner they cash in, uh, as Jordan has said, uh, and start building from this Cricket World Cup, uh, the better. Uh, but what, what I did see, uh, Mark, is some encouraging signs. If people are going to come to a neutral Women's World Cup final and basically make it a sell-out crowd, I think the signs are good for the Rugby Women's World Cup. I do, in terms of numbers. Yeah, I'm not as convinced on that one. I'm just not. Um, 
Oh, I'm not sure there's the following here. I'm not sure you're going to get international visitors coming down for a Women's Rugby World Cup. I think the Football World Cup next year is a different story. Um, I think there'll always be support for the New Zealand games. Um, outside of that, um, Ireland playing, say, um, Italy as an example. Boy, it's going to be good to be a lot of work to get people along to watch that because I think there is a clear gap in the quality and level of play between, say, the top four nations and everybody else. I mean, you could argue that might have been the same at the Women's Cricket World Cup. Um, what I will mm. say is I thought we did a magnificent job of presenting the, the Cricket World Cup to the world. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have the biggest and flashiest stadiums, but I think our curators and groundsmen are amongst the very, very best. Um, so look here, I'm I'm not as confident on the Rugby World Cup. I think the Football World Cup, no problems. Uh, I still just don't really have a handle on where, how popular women's rugby truly is in this country. And I think where they've got to focus is they've got to get the 2.5 million women in this country activated. They've got to try and reach those 2.5 million women to go along and watch that game. Because I think the diehard male rugby followers will, but they, I don't think they can rely purely on that. No, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I, I but I think they've got a great chance. I, I think put it this way: uh, right now, right now, I'd be if, if they're not sitting in their room saying, "What can we take out of this, uh, and what can we implement very quickly?" I'd be very surprised, and uh, and I'd be pretty disappointed in that. Uh, Jordan Oppert, behind the wall, reporting from China is brutal but rewarding. You wrote this article. Yeah. I've been reading it. It's fascinating um, about the ups and downs, the highs, the lows, the hots, the colds. A nice little piece of work you put together there. Tell us about it. Oh, thank you. Yes, no, Beijing was incredible. And like, by no means do I want to come across in that opinion piece like I am complaining. But there were, because I'm definitely not. It was an incredible experience from go to woe. But the thing is, it was hard. It was really hard. And to, you know, just get stories out and be going to do things was difficult. I mean, China is a communist country, so, I, you know, we in part expected that. But you were so confined. Like, I haven't seen a thing of China. I haven't seen the Great Wall. I haven't seen Tiananmen Square in Beijing. I haven't seen anything that, when I came back, everyone asked, what was it like? I didn't see any of it. Um, you know, there's big walls getting you to and from the venues, and you don't leave them. Um, but, I mean, so that article is purely about the COVID side of things. But results-wise, like... I don't know, I think I might be a good luck chance for New Zealand snow sports just quietly smithy, a goal to start both campaigns and a medal to finish it. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. Um, but no, it was just brilliant. And our snow sport athletes, I honestly believe, are some of the best athletes we have in terms of just being so open with the media. It was honestly like we became part of their bubble. They shared everything with us. They would answer any media call we ever wanted. They're so genuine. They're authentic. They're real. They're passionate. Um, and I think the future of snow sports is looking bloody bright. I mean, since I've got home from China, we've had about nine juniors on the World Cup circuit win medals. So they're all, you know, 15, 16, another four years under their belts. They'll be the same age, well, a little bit older, actually, than what Nico and Zoe were when they debuted at the Olympics. I mm. just think it's going to grow and grow and grow from here, and that's so exciting. Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We have a Mount Rushmore every Tuesday. You have no warning of this. But we've uh, asked for uh, the world, uh, not the world, uh, but our favourite four Highlanders, most influential Highlanders players. I won't ask you for four if you don't want, but you're looking back at the Highlanders franchise since its inception. inception. Who would you be thinking is probably uh, one or two names that have stood out for you over the years? Oh, I'd have to go Jeff Wilson, clearly. Um, I'd probably have to go for personality. Mark Ellis, I think, you know, he's sort of, 
uh, encapsulated everything great yeah. about the university town uh, down there. Um, I just trying to remember who was the little uh, tiny halfback that we used to always get. Um, oh, I'm just trying to remember off the, the top of my head there. That, Sorry? Stu Forster, the bear. Stu Forster, the bear. Yeah, Stewie Forster. You've got to have Stewie Forster in there without doubt. And boy, I, I, I mean, I, why don't I just make it a, a whole lot of backs and put just Chainsaw Laney in there again just because I just think that they're just the true characters of um, uh, of New Zealand rugby. I, I mean, you know, uh, um, you have put me on the spot a little bit. Um, but yeah, they're four names that certainly just stand out for me when I sort of think of the Highlanders over the years. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, there's a... There's a whole host to pick from, Mark. I love those ones. I love those nominations. There's a couple there I hadn't actually thought of, but uh, especially when you come to think of playing nude rugby, which is always an interesting concept. <laughs> uh, Jordan, Jordan, I know you're, you're, you know, you're not really interested in the Highlanders, but would you have a favourite Highlander by any stretch of the imagination? Oh, mine's Ben Smith. It has to be. Bender's the one of my generation, I'd have to say, down there. I mean, when I was at uni... Bus loads of us would go from Christchurch to Dunedin every couple of weeks to go, well, watch the Highlanders, but also Bender. He was the crowd favourite. And I think I'll have the fondest memories forever of, of him at, at Forsyth Bar. So I've got to go with Bender for this one. Showing my age, Okay, oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Actually, uh, Bender's one of mine. I'll, I'll let you into the secret. He's one of mine as well. Um, <clears throat> not because we're related at all either. So it's 10.41 here on SEN. Thank you so much. So much, Mark Watson and Jordan Oppert. Been great chatting to, to you both this morning, and thanks very much for your input, and uh, we'll speak again shortly. That was the panel here on SENZ this morning. Uh, it is 10.41. When we come back, we shall have some texts for you, some reaction uh, about your Highlanders, uh, and, of course, uh, we'll be talking to the TAB just before 11 o'clock as well. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, it's 11.47, 11, 11. no it's not, it's 10.47, uh, put the clock back in, so uh, we are counting down, uh, this is the zone folks, this is something cool you can be involved with, we're counting down to the best pound for pound fighters, as voted by you, so head to SENZ Instagram to vote, all thanks to Zone, and it's a boxing blockbuster weekend, this weekend on Zone. Triple G against uh, Ryota Murata, that's on Saturday April 9, and uh, on Sunday, April 10, Ryan Garcia up against Emmanuel Togo. So two fights for just $2.99. You can download the zone from the App Store or watch on danz.com. The zone for big fights, a great price on any device. The zone. So get involved with that. You've got involved this morning uh, with your text as well. PJ's coming. Morning, Smithy. The brilliant appointment of the Professor Wayne the Brain Smith is a game changer for our women. He will make a huge difference to the small things, the lines they run and defend, dissecting the op- opponent weakness and working out a plan to exploit it. I'm really excited for the Black Ferns with this addition to the coaching staff. PJ, totally in agreement. If they wanted to give themselves uh, the best chance of doing better, and going close in this World Cup, getting to the last four, the last two, certainly having Wayne Smith around the scene uh, can only be a good thing. I totally uh, concur with you on that. Uh, Chris says, what about young Tim Pringle as a spinner? He is ready to be given a chance and stuck with. Uh, Cheers, Chris. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of Tim Pringle. I've heard a little bit about him. Uh, But he's one of a crop of, of young spinners that we have to invest in. And I mean invest, which means you just don't go to sleep on them for any period of time. You keep them working and working and working. So 
Uh, yeah, he'd be in the mix, there's uh, probably no doubt about that. Zay's come in and said, Ben Smith, Aaron Smith, Ash Dixon, Jeff Wilson. Um, so he also said, I went to the Moana Pacifica game on the weekend, uh, and it was a very good one. The Blues uh, way too strong there, um, he, even though they had a player in Caleb Clark dismissed from the park. Uh, that's another issue we're talking about, the red cards that are floating around. That's interesting. Uh, Jeff, the ref... Uh, uh, has said on uh, he's got a Polaris XP900. It's his awesome hunting and gathering machine. So uh, he's into the Polaris, as are we, of course, on their show. There are side by side partners here between nine and twelve Polaris. So uh, we thank you very much, Jeff, the ref, for that. What a great product that is. Uh, so yeah, plenty of uh, stuff has come in. Uh, Michael said, "Great uh, work on the Sky commentary on." Uh, the Women Cricket World Cup. Well, Michael, I can let you on. It was a real uh, privilege for me to be part of it, to be honest. Uh, I jumped at the chance. I love the fact that we've had uh, New Zealand cricket, domestic cricket live uh, on Sky again, and I think the numbers will have reflected that. I mean, if you look at the numbers turning up, uh, then you can multiply that by 20-fold the number of people that are looking at it on television and finding it very interesting. So it was a huge Absolutely huge occasion for women's cricket, but for television sports coverage of, of women's cricket as well. They worked hard. They put so much resources into it, the ICC. They brought in uh, an overseas uh, uh, production company, Sunset and Vine, who do all their uh, events. They flew in people from all around the parts, used as much local talent as they could, of course, uh, but put three crews together. You'll be interested to know, Michael. Three crews, A, B and C, who covered three different venues, and then once they'd finished at their venue, they moved on to another one. Uh, and in the end, uh, they came up with uh, the product that you were able to witness. I can promise you, having been around uh, coverage of cricket and television for a long, long time, uh, I can promise you uh, that there was nothing, nothing left to chance. Uh, and they put together a, a hell of a team uh, on camera and off camera as well. It was totally professionally done. And uh, I'm pleased to say it was, um, was well received as well. So... Uh, we'll leave it at that. It's 10.51 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, we shall be talking to the TAB, and why not? Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 10.56 here on SENZ. It's time to head uh, across to the TAB and have uh, a nice chat with... Uh, 40-year-old Brendan Popper. I cannot believe, mate, I cannot believe you're only 40. Hell, teesh, what's going on there? That's a, that is crap. <laughs> I, can, I can honestly say it's not crap. Um, um, yes, I've just been on the screens a long, a long time, that's all, I suppose. But, uh, I started at Tricks when I was 22 or 23, so, um, yeah, it's probably the reason why you're thinking that, Scotty. Good God, 18 years, mate. 18 years of, uh, of talking about uh, racing, but uh, sport and, and, uh, as well. Uh, and, of course, um, uh, you're, uh, I guess, still a bit of a CD man at heart, and Ross Taylor was that to, uh, to the bone as well, Ross Taylor throughout. So uh, they said goodbye to him last night. Did you get, I, I know you were heading out at some stage over the weekend uh, trying to get to Seddon yeah. Park. Did you pop along at any stage? I did, yes. Finished work on, um, on Saturday afternoon and, and went out there and watched on Saturday, it was great, and actually it was, I think, a bit of a relief for the Hamilton public and just public in general to be able to get out and watch some games, and um, that was what it felt like—a bit of a, a bit of a release uh, to get out there and enjoy it. It was a beautiful night, and 
couldn't get there last night, unfortunately, but um, yeah, I think the Hamilton turned it on, and that's been the case in the last couple of weeks too during the Cricket World Cup. Pund- uh, punters were keen to get out there and, and watch once those restrictions uh, loosened up, so we've been pretty lucky with the weather, haven't we, in the, in the autumn period? We sure have, BP, and uh, from a punting point of view, punters got it pretty well right if they followed the Australian women to uh, to win the World Cup. That was, um, I won't say so it was stone cold certainty, but it was, in cricketing terms, it was pretty close to one. Uh, so the, yep. uh, there, was, there was some serious betting on that, I'm sure, uh, um, BP. What, what about uh, as we look at markets today and, and going forward? Well, I'll, I'll push forward a couple of days, Smithy, because we've got the Masters obviously coming up, and that's creating a lot of interest, and especially with Tiger Woods having a practice round. It looked like uh, it was a sellout and uh, everyone following Tiger. So we'll, we'll jump on the Tiger bandwagon just with what's happened with him in the outright market. It was a high price of $56 to win the tournament. We're taking $1,000 on Tiger to win uh, as our biggest bet. He's currently $46 and one of the worst results in the book in terms of not just those bigger bets, but a lot of small bets. So $46 to win. We've seen money for him in the top 20 market. He's $3 for the top 20 finish, $225 top 30 finish, $1.62 uh, in the top 40 finish. Or if you don't believe in the fairy tale of Tiger Woods, he is paying a dollar sixty nine to miss the cut. Wow, I like. I now like that. I, I do like that. But he likes. He likes Augusta. He's got a love affair with Augusta. But that's juicy. That is juicy. I mean, and that's a hell of a performance to think that one he could possibly walk eighteen uh, yeah. seventy two holes because it's very undulating, isn't it, um, Augusta? Yeah. Uh, and make the cut. Make the cut. Dollar six. I think that's good value. Dollar sixty. I've got to say. Yeah. Gotta say. Yeah, I think we'll, yeah, there'll mate. be some interest there. Uh, we've got we've also had some money on Billy Horschel to win outright, one hundred eighty-one dollars. Victor Hovland seventy-one dollars, a thousand on him, and Will Zalatoris, of course, ran second uh, last year behind Hideki Matsuyama, a thousand on him at thirty-four dollars. Have also been the well-back players. Well, BP, they do say uh, horses for courses, and uh, there's a lot of people that Augusta brings the best out. Amen Corner in particular. Uh, Brennan, Brennan Popwell, thanks for your input this morning. It is 10.59, coming up 11 o'clock here on SENZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it is uh, 11.03 here in New Zealand. Uh, it's uh, a little bit earlier where we head to now uh, in Australia talk about uh, the Breakers and the NBL. The Breakers, of course, suffering another a loss overnight, going down 87-77 to the Cairns Taipans. Um, they've had it in for us lately, the Brisbane sides in particular, but I think it's fair to say they all have. The latest uh, loss marks a five-game losing streak for Dad Shamir's crew, and the road ahead is looking tough as they look to wrap up a difficult uh, 21-22 season in the ANBL. No one better qualified to, to talk about it with us uh, this morning than one of uh, Australia's very best and Shane the Hammerheel uh, who's joined us before but great to catch up with you again Shane thanks very much for your time. My pleasure Smithy good to be on. Good to be on mate uh, and good to be talking basketball but not such uh, not such good news for the breakers who are now 5 and 18 in their uh, 23 game record so far. Uh, we've been hoping that once COVID left them and, and they got some more continuity, the results would follow, but it hasn't quite fallen that way. No, I mean, to be fair, they've been up against it, been on the road for the whole season, and they have had some disruptions like most teams have. But, um, you know, I think they're going to go back to the drawing board 
um, and just check out exactly what they've got, uh, what they need, um, you know, trying to lock in some critical pieces. They certainly haven't got their imports right. Um, you know, a lot to think about, I think, for the New Zealand breakers. If they're going to turn this around as other teams continue to grow their roster and, and have some sort of success, these guys feel like, uh, I feel like they're just not going anywhere at the moment. So, Shane, do, do, uh, do the owners as such, do they just get the whiteboard and put the rag right across it so it's squeaky clean again? Or do you, do you see a basis to work from? Oh, I think they've got, you know, some, some good bones there, particularly with their locals. Um, you know, and I think when you've got that and you've got three imports up your sleeve, then there's opportunities to be able to grow it. But um, I'm just not sure they've got the vision at the moment. Uh, to be able to turn it around. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe once they get back to New Zealand, maybe they turn things around quickly. But um, I like their, their nucleus. Um, just have to make better decisions with their recruiting in my mind. Okay. Uh, coach, coach, be secure for you? Or is that, is that something they look at too? Because often that's that's part of the process when it comes to recruitment. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a bit of talk around that... Um, you know, he, he's uh, he's under the pump. And, and you would be when you've got those sort of results. And, you know, he's been there for a couple of years now. Um, but they're, they're going to know better than what I do internally. Um, not sure how the players feel about him um, and how that goes. I guess when you're on the road and you're losing and all those sort of things, it can make it difficult as well. But, um, yeah, he, he, they certainly have to, you know, at least have a look at how they think he's gone and whether he's the right person, not just for next year, but is he the right person for mm. the next three years? Because that's what they have to really be aiming for from here. Yeah, Dan Shamir under the spotlight. Uh, spotlight. There's no talk of it. No talk uh, away from that. Unfortunately, uh, as you say, uh, one of the uh, the standout locals, as as you've uh, referred to, as has been Finn Delaney. Now, uh, that is going to be another key issue, isn't it? Players coming off contract who are up for grabs and Australian sides looking and picking at the bones of what is there. Uh, Finn Delaney is the kind of player, along with Abercrombie, who's had really not had a season this year. They're the kind of guys you're talking about, I guess. I, Finn Delaney's a gun. He, he, two years ago, he was outstanding. Certainly hasn't had the same sort of year this year, but sometimes that can be a byproduct of you know, everybody else around you and, and all the rest of it, the system, the, 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 the imports, uh, all of these things. But there is no doubt that he could play a major piece for... You imagine him in Perth right now. You know, like, he, he would be a major piece for teams trying to win a championship. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what his situation is. There was a bit of talk that he, he wanted to test the European markets at, at some stage as well. But um, I'd be very surprised if teams aren't queuing up for him. I, I look at uh, some of the established Australian, Australian sides with their, their overseas imports as such, and, and a lot of them have been with their franchises for quite some time, which means they're good value for money. Uh, ours tend to come and go. I mean, that's from me looking from the outside, looking in, Shane. Ours tend to come and go a wee bit. We, we need, I, I guess it's all about money, availability of players and what you can afford to pay for them. But I, I think, too, if you're looking for that kind of influence, we have to be a little bit more wise in that area. Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you're building a franchise, you want to build it around your locals first. And I think you lay the foundations with that. I think if you can get imports that stay for a couple of years that fit the culture and, and you can help build with, it only multiplies your, your percentages of being able to win. 
just having that stability because everyone knows what they're in for from personalities to the imports know the living you know and the coach and all the rest of it so uh and, and you're right they just haven't been able to do that and it's it's been a revolving door really uh for new zealand and i think that you know the the results have sort of you know shown that a little bit even though you know, I do understand there are some some challenges for them being on the road and, and some of the injuries and stuff they've had as well. Shane, I look at the points table and as we stand at the moment, uh, Melbourne, Sydney at the top, 16 and 7, 15 and 7 respectively, is a nice grouping actually. I mean, this competition is, is really up for grabs, but staring me right in the face and just on the subject of what you've been talking about and the ability to build a franchise uh, from outside the major areas. The Jack Jumpers are sitting at fifth at the moment. They've won 13, they've lost 11. Uh, now, there's a shining example to me of how to build a franchise and do it quite quickly. Well, and, and not only that, they've done it on a bit of a budget. They haven't spent big money to be able to put that roster together. But um, I, like you, I've been really impressed. Um, you know, I think Scott Roth is probably coach of the year. I think he's got his team really well drilled. They play hard every game. They're a chance every game. They've knocked off you know, top four teams uh, on the road. So, they, you know, just because of the culture they've been able to build uh, from those early stages. And I see them as a team that can add a couple of pieces next year and then seriously challenge for a top four. They've overachieved this year, but um, they're building something nicely. Uh, the Breakers have got uh, a really tough finish uh, to the season and it comes up, including a, a game against uh, the Sydney Kings, uh, Shane. Then. Now on a 10-game winning streak. So what, what has Chase Buford found about the Kings he's been able to put together? Well, they're outstanding. Uh, Chase Buford is an outstanding coach. And um, I think people overreacted early in the season because they had two imports out at a time and injury problems and they were just starting to understand his style and people were writing them off early. And now they've got everyone back. They are just a dynamic team. Um, incredible to be able to see them in transition and to see the scoring power from across the board. And, you know, Jalen Adams, their point guard, you know, probably the front runner for the MVP, but so many really good pieces that are around them. And they virtually play without a centre. So they're playing five out. Everybody can shoot the three ball. Everybody can play off the dribble. Um, and their defence has been outstanding as well. But, I mean, clearly they are the front running team right now. Um, to win the championship and, and I think followed probably by the Illawarra Hawks. I think they're second and, and Melbourne and then after Melbourne knocking off the Perth Wildcats last night, Perth fall to uh, to fourth for me after three straight losses at home. Yeah, uh, I mean it's, it's a really congested top of the table which is, um, apart from uh, what we're looking at at the bottom, I mean basketball fans will be enthused by the standard, etc. Uh, interesting, Shane, that uh, the Warriors, uh, New Zealand Warriors, are going through the same scenario, of course, as a number of our franchises over in Australia full time. Uh, their CEO Cameron George, uh, who's a bit of an innovative bloke, has floated an idea last week that they should play all of their 2023 games in New Zealand at home because they have played none uh, in the last two to three years. May or may not happen. Is that a basketball possibility? Or if not a whole lot, a great majority of Breakers games at home? Yeah, I mean, if I was working for New Zealand, I'd be asking for the same thing. And I think they're probably within their rights, considering 
it's been a couple of years of, of being on the road and, and all the rest of it. And I guess, you know, you, you need to be able to keep the fans engaged as well because whilst they've been able to watch it on TV, they haven't been there and been able to see and touch and feel the players and get autographs and all the rest of it. So, you know, I, I think it's certainly something that both leagues really should be looking at. And I'm not sure whether it'll eventuate, but I like the idea. Mm. Yeah, I, and I would imagine. I mean, it's so easy to travel these days, uh, providing the borders are open. Um, I, I think uh, you could have weekends at least where you could have two or three teams on show, and, and I think it would be great for basketball, and it certainly needs that kick in the pants over here. Hey, mate, you'll be, uh, no doubt, with your um, um, your knowledge of American basketball as well. It's mad, mar- it's mad March, and this comes to an end today with uh, the tip-off between Kansas and North Carolina, the eighth seed going into it. How do you see this going? No, mate, I haven't really watched a lot of the college basketball. I'm more of an NBA guy, um, yeah. to be honest, but I know a lot of people really get around it and a lot of mates that uh, are right into it as well. But um, I'll be more looking forward to the end of the season with the NBA and how that plays out because, you know, when we talk about the NBL being so close, geez, the NBA right now is, um, you know, anyone can win it when you look at the Nets, you know, having to be in play-in games to actually make the top eight. Uh, yeah, well, well let's let's uh, focus in on that and and some of the the we, we, I mean, the Ben Simmons saga has been an absolute nightmare. Um, how do you see it now? For for Ben Simmons, is you know I'm yeah. totally blown away that um, you know that he's had all that time off and that he's not ready to play as soon as this trades. Um, done. I mean, it's it's dis- disappointing. We probably don't know all the facts, but um, I would have thought that he would have been in a good position to try and turn around his career, um, to be honest. And if you put him into that Nets lineup, they become one of the most talented teams in the competition and probably, you know, much better balanced than when they had James Harden. So, um, you know, hopefully he can get himself on track. Would you have a pick then for us if we were having just to have a little wager this far out? From the conclusion of the NBA, would you would you have a, a perhaps a standout contender for us, or, or is it just too even to pick one out? Well, it's 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 definitely close in the East, but I still think that um, Milwaukee's really good value. I've been with them from the start. They've proven they can do it. Um, they've got a superstar that just plays night in, night out and just plays with a whole lot of passion and some role players that feel really comfortable around him. So I think Milwaukee are good value, but um, you know Phoenix are obviously going to be hard to beat in the West and wouldn't be surprised if those two teams match up. I've just away from uh, the basketball side of things, uh, Shane, I've been uh, working uh, around our country on the Women's Cricket World Cup lately, and I've got to say... Uh, you're the first Australian uh, voice I've spoken to on radio since it. Um, they are the most professional, uh, well-organised, best advertisement for professional sport and women's sport in particular I've ever seen. There is not a fault with that Australian women's cricket team. It's an amazing story. Uh, it's been five years in the making, but man, are they good. Well, it's um, I've got three daughters. I'm a girl dad and I coach in the WNBL, coach a women's team here in Sydney and um, it, it, the women's women's sport um, is incredible. They are so good to coach and they follow all details and so professional and, and all the rest of it. And I just hope that, the, you know, the groundswell continues that we start to recognise the talent that all of these young young women have got. Yeah, uh, it's just been a, a revelation for me and a, and a really cool one is that, that. Shane, thanks very much for your time this morning. Always good to catch up uh, with your knowledge across 
uh, the basketball code and uh, look forward to perhaps a, a slightly more positive finish to um, uh, the breaker season. So they've got a platform, as you say, they dearly need one. Thanks for your time, mate. Good on you, Ian. Speak soon, mate. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah cheers. Uh, Shane, the Hammer Heel, one of Australia's very, very best. Um, and uh, we're lucky to have him uh, with his thoughts too on, on basketball. We'll wish those breakers too uh, all the best. It's, uh, when you've got nothing to play for, um, it's pretty tough, even as a fully paid professional. If you take pride in your performance. If you take pride in your performance, you'll be listening very shortly to our producer who has his very own special segment coming up here. It is Logan Swinkles after the break. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. That's right. We are going around the world here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. First of all, Smithy, I just got to say, it is great to have you back in the hot seat. Yeah, sure, I've loved having Ricardo and Stephen McIver and even <laughs> Sam Hewitt. But, mate, you have done an outstanding job on the Cr- Women's Cricket World Cup, and we are very glad to have you back with, of course, Polaris now uh, being our naming rights sponsor for the show. Yeah, loving that. Uh, thanks very much for those words, Logan. I've, I had the time of my life in the last month, actually, so uh, I'd love to say I missed you guys, but I probably didn't miss you um, to that extent, uh, it's fair to say. Surrounded by um, people talking about cricket um, in a positive sense, um, particularly uh, being able to do it on, on television at home was uh, a real cool thing. So uh, glad to be back, though, and yes, Polaris, side by side with Polaris uh, from 9 to 12 every day. Uh, it's uh, just something I'm looking forward to. So yeah, and what have you got up? What do you got lined up in terms of your your headlines this morning? What have you been looking at? Oh, first of all, uh, tennis tantrums. We played this one uh, last week. Oh, I might play it again because it's just so so good. Tennis officials will dish out stricter punishments for on-court misconduct. The ATP has warned players in an internal note as the men's governing body also simultaneously reviews its guidelines to clamp down on repeat offenders. One of those being Aussie Maverick Nick Kyrgios. He was fined eight. This might be eight million. The way I've got it written down, eight million. No. Uh, that's got to be wrong. I think there's an extra zero in there. Uh, eight hundred sixty-six thousand for a series of angry outbursts at the Indian Wells and Miami Open events, with many observers saying he should have been disqualified. And just for context, this was that tantrum. <laughs> Like. I was talking to my friend. And there goes the racket. That was just one of them. Uh, German Alexander Zverev also well, thrown out of a tournament in Acapulco in February after smashing his racket repeatedly against an umpire's chair following a doubles defeat. This is what ATP chairman Andrea uh, Gonzeva had to say effective immediately as we head into the clay court swing. The ATP officiating team has been directed to take a stricter stance. Additionally, we are also undertaking a review of the code as well as the disciplinary processes to ensure that it provides appropriate and up-to-date penalties for serious violations and repeat offenders. So, uh, with the ATP coming under fire for what many pundits and fans perceive to be soft soft punishments in the past from the governing body, 
hey, maybe we'll see the end of some tantrums there, Smithy. What is, uh, what was he saying? What is unsportsmanlike conduct? What is unsportsmanlike conduct? What is unsportsmanlike conduct? Have a look in the mirror. Have a look in the mirror. Have a look in the mirror, you goose, Kyrgios, you absolute goose. If you're playing for money and you're prepared to be fined that amount, don't. Ridiculously stupid. No, you know exactly what a sportsmanlike conduct is, and you know exactly where the boundaries are as well, and you keep pushing them, and they'll keep fining you. Bang on there, bang on there. Uh, we had, of course, Shane Heal on just before. You mentioned uh, Ben Simmons. Of course, he hasn't played yet, so all watches on there when he is going to play. Uh, Steve Nash, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, has said that he's not expecting him in the lineup this week or next. Uh, he would be shocked if he played uh, in, in the play-in rounds as well. So we may see him later on in the playoffs. We may not see him at all, depending on how the Brooklyn Nets go this season, which will be uh, interesting. And further on to that, uh, Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant believes his team's season got derailed when he injured his MCL in his left knee in mid-January. I guess uh, he thinks he's that crucial to the team winning. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I'm quite a big Durant fan because I like the way he plays basketball, but... When you start saying uh, I'm the reason we I'm so good that I'm the re- my injury is the reason we didn't progress, I think they've got a lot more uh, a lot more problems than they had. I mean, what about their roster? How much has it changed during the year? Uh, so the Brooklyn Net failures, absolute, complete, and utter failures. Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, you know, I miss Ben Simmons. Most about Ben Simmons, quality three throws, quality free throws <laughs> from Ben Simmons, not. That and the three-pointers. <laughs> Australia made a big deal out of that when he started figuring that out. Uh, last one for me on Around the World, Smithy, though. Tiger Watch, tracking Tiger Woods and his movements with the Masters 2022 decision. Uh, it is all over the show. It is just insane to the point that they're now reporting on what shoes he's wearing for his practice round, which was a, a pair of white foot joy golf shoes to go with his pads. So, yeah, that's great. Uh, and, of course, Sir Nick Faldo, uh, he mentioned in a tweet that it's just absolutely absolute scenes coming out of the clubhouse today with the atmosphere he's never seen before at Augusta. Patrons cheering and flocking to cram around that putting green. And it was only Monday at the Masters. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, Brooks Kipka says he's really happy to see Tiger out there and would just love to see him actually make the Masters. I know you've got a few thoughts on this as well, Smithy. Well, if he turns up on the first tee, um, for me, uh, just looking at what he's gone through and the rehabilitation, to come back and play, I know he played in that tournament with his son, um, and I think that went pretty well, although he was allowed for a lot of that to be driven around in a cart. Uh, and that makes a heck of a difference to playing around a golf when you're injured, I can promise you. So um, but what will be interesting is if he does front up on that tee and he has to walk. Uh, and if he does make the cut, which I would I would seriously doubt he will make the cut. The standard of golf is very, very high and it has increased uh, in, in terms of its uh, abilities while Tiger has been sitting, waiting and watching and, and trying to recover. So it's not going to get any easier for him, even though he does love uh, Augusta and Augusta loves him. Uh, and that is a, a course and a place where protocols are observed to the highest level, the highest level that you can imagine still in sport. So uh, I, I think Tiger Woods coming back will be a television promoter's dream. If you've got the rights to the Masters anywhere around the world and Tiger turns up on the first tee on Thursday morning uh, United States time, you'll be a happy chap and uh, you'll be vindicated for spending the millions that you have on it. Um, so interesting headlines there. Uh, I like that. 
Uh, also, um, interesting to see the pick. I don't know who picked this team. The World Cup 11 from the Women's World Cup. They picked the team. Uh, and they've got Laura Wolfart from South Africa, Alyssa Healy, well, there's a surprise, isn't it? Meg Lanning, captain, uh, Rachel Haynes in the top four. Nat Siver from England, agree with that. Beth Mooney, definitely agree with that. Uh, Hayley Matthews uh, played away probably out of the world 11 for me as the tournament got on. She started with us and went downhill. Marisan Kapp is an all-rounder, not in your nelly, not for me. Sophie Eccleston, yes. Uh, Sabneem Ismail from South Africa, yes. Salma Katoon from Bangladesh, no, sorry. Um, and I've only got, I've got no bowlers, no Australian bowlers. Do they not just win the World Cup? Do they not just win the World Cup? Anyway, here we go. No bowlers in the World 11. Can't quite fathom that. 11.29 here on SENZ. We're coming up to uh, 11.30. Uh, and uh, if my memory serves me right, it's stump smithy time. 0800 150 811. Sleep drops and TAB vouchers up for grabs as we head into the news with Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. That's right. Just after the 11.30 news, it is time for Stumped. And, of course, right back where he belongs, behind the wicket, Smithy, after an incredible run, uh, the Women's Cricket World Cup. Well done, mate. Great to have you back. Are you ready to stump the listeners with your sporting knowledge? I am. Uh, so, who have you got on the line? I am. I've researched more categories than you can imagine in the last month. So, good luck <laughs> to anyone trying. <laughs> Great to hear because I uh, have to be fair to say some of the other fill in hosts kind of dropped the ball a, a little bit. Not so many stumpings, but up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet plus some sleep drops, daytime revive. Try New Zealand sleep drops for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. Sleepdrops.co.nz. Joining us at the crease is Billy from. Auckland. Come in, mate. How you doing? G'day, guys. Yeah, good, thanks. Can you hear me loud and clear? Oh, you are coming through loud and clear, my friend. Great to have you on. Uh, for any listen, uh, new listeners to the show or to the game, this is how it works. We have three sporting categories to choose from today. Answer all three correctly in those questions and you win it all. But if you get a question wrong, it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bales off. Get out on the first two questions and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question and we will jackpot Tomorrow. Now, we did jackpot on Friday, but a little sneaky thing here we did on Monday, Smithy, uh, was we took that jackpot. So we, we actually gave away two $50 uh, TAB bonus bets, and we got people to text in on the Temper Bedpost text machine what their predictions were for uh, Ross Taylor's final match. And we actually had a winner, Jamie from Nelson. He, he said 13, so he was the closest. Uh, Boss Dog Ruben, or he said 16, I believe, on the panel. But we have given away one there. So, Billy, for you, $50 up for grabs and some sleep drops. Here are today's topics. Ice hockey, rugby league, and cricket. Take your pick. Um, <laughs> look, can I go ice hockey? I know it's been floating around a little bit. Oh. It's one of your niche ones, guys. I wouldn't back Smithy, but, I, you know, <laughs> could be interesting. Oh, it's a brave man not to back Smithy. All right, we'll see how you go. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, <laughs> you're asking for trouble if you're going to pick cricket. Because, <laughs> yeah. boy, all right, first question. In the ice hockey, gosh, you just made my day, Billy, finally getting this one off the board. Uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, has moved to number three on the NHL's all-time goal-scoring list. Wayne Gretzky is number one, but who is number two on that list? 
Uh, look, no idea, boys. Sorry, pass. <laughs> One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I see the uh, strategy not, you not quite working out. Over to you, Smithy. You're going to be... Uh, I'll tell you what, you're, if, you're, if I get this right, you um, are going to be so unlucky because I've got absolutely no idea. I can't even see the puck when it's on television. <laughs> it's too quick for my old eyes. So I've got absolutely no idea. I know Gretzky was the great one. Um, I'm, and I also know that um, the goalkeeper wears a lot more protection than the others. That's about it. I'll go for Crosby. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. He's alive. No, Crosby is actually a bit further down the list. Gordie Howe was the answer. Uh, of course, he, uh, okay. he passed away a few years ago. Legend of the game that he is. He's on 801 goals. Ovi is on 772. Gretzky still 894 sitting there on top. So he's looking pretty good. Billy, you're still alive, mate. But we're bringing it a little closer to home for the second question. What are New Zealand's national men's and women's ice hockey teams more commonly called? Oh, um, can I go with, um, can I call them the, the, is it the black pucks as an ice hockey puck and, and, uh, the white pucks for the ladies to another guess. One of the worst things I have ever oh, seen man. done on a cricket field. Mate, oh, I, I like I like early. your train of thought. I like your train of thought, but not quite there, Smithy. No, well that's it for me. I mean, they, they should be. If they're not, they should be called that. <laughs> um, I can't quite. Um, what else do you use? Uh, sticks. Oh no, the, no, they can't because it's the hockey team is the sticks. Black sticks. I don't. I got no idea, mate. I'm sorry. I've got absolutely no idea. All right, I'm not even going to play the Richie Beno. Uh, there, it is the ice. Blacks and the ice ferns with a Z because it's cooler. Right, okay. <laughs> I know that now. <laughs> a little bit of education there. I, I'm I'm going to send that uh, to the federation there, Smithy. That maybe they want to change the name to what was it? The white pucks and the black pucks. So that's not a bad call. I actually yeah. quite like that. Uh, last question: Women's ice hockey. Billy, uh, was introduced to the Winter Olympics in Nagano 1998. Out of those seven Olympic tournaments to date, how many of them have Canada won? Um, another guess, boys. Uh, let's go. Sorry, the question again is it how many have Canada won since 1998? Yeah, uh, there's been seven tournaments. How many have Canada seven. won? Uh, another guess. We'll go five, please, Logan. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, oh. right in the slot, <laughs> and away it goes. Lock it in with the guest oh, boys. Nice. Yes, Billy from Auckland. Congratulations, mate. Yes, five. The most recent being their three two win over USA at the Beijing Games. Team USA have won the other two tournaments, so really it's it's a two horse race. But mate, congratulations. You've won the fifty dollars TAB bonus bet and the sleep drops. Hold the line and Brian will take your details. Congratulations. Hey, thanks, boys. I know more about ice hockey now. Sorry, Smithy. Good to have you back. <laughs> you, got, you got me, Billy. Thank you very much. Uh, and enjoy. Enjoy, friend. Uh, it's 11.38 here on SCNZ. And when we come back, Mount Rushmore being Tuesday. The best or most famous or most favourite Highlanders for uh, Logan and myself. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith.
on SENZ. Tune in to SENZ every Sunday too, by the way, from 11 to 12 for GRNZ's Dog Speed, racing, uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. It's hosted by our very own Ricardo Ball, who is a jack of all trades and master of all of them. He's joined by Greyhound experts Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. Don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, 11 o'clock Sunday morning, an hour-long show there of quality. Uh, which leads us into to more quality, and on our subject today, it's the Highlanders. Yeah, that's right, Smithy. I love this one. It's really got on the uh, temper bedpost text machine flying. People love their Highlanders. Uh, and we've only agreed on one here, which is quite interesting. Yeah, we have only agreed on one, and that's the first one that we'll go with, I think, this morning, because um, everyone needs a character and everyone needs a name that you remember in a town, really. Uh, and this is why we've gone for our number four. Right in there for Oliver, steps over it now. Here's Brown, Alatini. Playing advantage, the blue. Playing advantage here. They're offside, the Hurricanes, but they may get through anyway. Brown lunging, Tony Brown's in. Party at Tony Brown's, simple as that. Party at Tony Brown's. He had to be in there, Logan, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean... When I think of Otago Highlanders, I do think Tony Brown, and not just because now, you know, I think of the 90s. I'm growing up. Um, my my cousin was an absolute diehard Otago fan, wanted to go study in Otago. She went to Waikato in the end for some reason, but uh, loved Tony Brown. So did I. Um, and just he's just quintessential Highlanders. So definitely had to put him in here. Uh, my next pick, I don't know if a lot of people are going to agree with this because I don't actually know if he's been mentioned in any texts. But I've gone with another halfback, not named Aaron Smith, Byron Kelleher. Stanley in centre field trying to step through. Oliver picks it up. Nice hand off to Kelleher using his strength. Byron Kelleher! Look, I just love the way Byron Kelleher played the game. He was aggressive. He was, you know, he just really got in there. And I just, yeah, I had to put him in there, Smithy. Yeah, well, he's heart, he was a heart and soul sort of player for the Highlanders, a gritty, nuggety little player. Couldn't possibly have named him in my top four because I get two black eyes and a broken nose from Justin Marshall if I did, so I won't bother. Uh, so I'll go on to my particular suggestion. Uh, who's been a latter-day player, just left, just gone to Japan, um, but uh, I had to throw a bit of Hawks Bay in there as well because the Highlanders have dragged so many Hawks Bay and Otago rugby to uh, Hawks Bay people down there. So this guy, inspirational, just left, but won't be forgotten quickly. Josh Dixon, and the Highlanders looking to go through the middle. And they've got a good way on here too. And they go to the line, and it looks like Ash Dixon. It is Ash Dixon. Hasn't scored many this year, but he gets another one. Yeah, Ash Dixon for me. Okay, which leads us to your number three. My number, number two, sorry. Yeah, Hawks my Bay, number two. Hawks Bay as well. Yes, now Hawks this, is, this well, is the yeah, thing. Uh, you mentioned that you wouldn't pick Byron Keller because, you know, Marshy <laughs> might have a go at you. Same, he, same thing here for me. If I did not include this man in my Mount Rushmore, he might come knocking at my door. 
to me, he is the original crusher. And when you think of number sevens, this is the man that became that came before Sam Kane and everyone else. This is Josh Kronfeld. Detroit has been in a lot of action in the match so far. Now Brown. Callagher. He's got some support in the form of Kronfeld. There he is. Josh is in. Just, again, love the way Josh played the game at open side flanker. He is rightfully number two there on my Mount Rushmore, Smithy. Yeah, well, we're leaving out a lot of players, a lot of players. Um, but you cannot not have this guy because um, not only is he, uh, I think, the best the Highlanders have ever had in his role, he's the, one of the best the world's ever seen in his role. So how can he not be in there? Nuggy, Nuggy, come on, Nuggy. Bowden Barrett right. takes it and slings it away to Geordie Barrett. Now here is Ben Smith. Taylor hands it on for Leonard Brown. Froddy is wide. Froddy's still going. Back to Taylor! And away it goes for Ben Smith. That's a great try. Oh, sorry, got that out of it. I thought you I thought you're going off the list there. So night guy was gonna I might as well give you my number one. I was talking about Aaron Smith, not Ben Smith. Oh so my bad, go. sorry, I got, I got the Smiths mixed yeah. up. <laughs> He shouldn't, he did, because uh, Ben Smith is Bender, the Bender, okay? Or Ben from Accounts, um, or several other things, but Ben from Accounts as well, and Bender. But no, that was, uh, I, I might as well go from my number one as well uh, and play him in, please, because he is the best in the world. Without any doubt, the world's best halfback, eclipsing his great mate <laughs> Ben Smith as the most capped Highlander, his 11th season... And he shows no sign of slowing down. A fitting tribute to a very, very good player. Very, very good player indeed. Yeah, Aaron Smith. I mean, I know a lot of people would probably put him, and rightfully so, above Byron Callahan. That's probably why I put him at three and not higher up. But when I think of Otago Highlanders and Smithy, there is so many that were missed out, like you mentioned. But I think you just can't go past Goldie. Goldie, Goldie, Goldie. It's not playing for me. Here we go. claimed by Stanley. So the Highlanders should have this back. They have. Duggan for Brown. Leslie. Leslie straight across to Wilson. Wilson on the outside and Wilson's in. Just that golden hair yeah, flying on the wing, mate. Just too good, too good. Yeah. Look, I could have put Jeff Wilson in my team with ease. I could have put him in the Otago cricket team. I could have put him in, in the um, anything to do with basketball to golf or anything like that. Jeff Wilson, if you've got an all-round great sportsman of New Zealand team, okay, so you're all greatest all-rounder across a, a number of sports, uh, Jeff Wilson makes it any day of the week. He's simply um, an incredible sporting talent, but wasn't. Uh, and, and he may, he may uh, give me a, a poke in the eye as well at the weekend uh, because I haven't put him in. Uh, I'll see him for a, a beer after this game uh, on Saturday night in Wellington, which I'm looking forward to, the Crusaders and the Hurricanes. Uh, Jeff will be there. He might make mention of it. He, he might not. So uh, we shall wait and see. So that was Mount Rushmore for this uh, Tuesday in particular. We've left out Manonu. Uh, Ta- I'm not sure. Manonu, Tamadi Allison, the Himunas, Gutter and Mark Reddish. Jade, who are you kidding? Uh, we've left out Romy Ropati, Waisaki Naholo. We've left out Jason Rutledge and Israel Dag. apparently. Uh, we've also left out John Leslie. Uh, so many more. 
that we could have put in that bracket. But we haven't been able to fit them all in. They were our top four for Logan and myself. It's 11.51 when we come back. Staffy, before midday. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.